from Kaiju Island. A show where a kaiju veteran and a kaiju newbie watch giant monster movies and chat about them. I'm Andrew. <laughs> and I'm Amanda. <laughs> so, Andrew, what has been your favorite movie we've watched so far of the movies we've done for the show? Of the movies we've done for the show, I think my favorite uh, is always going to be Rodan um, among the ones we have watched so far. But, I mean... Anyone who listened to that episode probably could tell that. I'm shocked. I thought your favorite would have been Godzilla. I just, I mean, it it feels like cheating to say that. (laughs) Yeah, of course you're going to have one of the greatest films of all time on your list. So, you know, I always go for the other ones. Okay, so if we're eliminating Godzilla as an option, Mm -hmm. I really like Godzilla versus Megalon. Okay. I know, it's weird. I love that that's one of your favorites so far. I just really like the goofiness of it. It kind of kept it really entertaining for me, like the slow-mo car chase. Yeah. That one and Daimajin, because, I mean, badass, old priestess lady who curses people as she's slowly dying, and Vindication, it's got everything wrapped up in one. Yeah, well, I have good news for you. What's that? For this episode, we watched... Return of Daimajin, which has almost the exact same plot as Daimajin. Minus the baddest old lady. Yeah. She was sorely missed. (laughs) Return of Daimajin, I said this in the first episode, it was released in 1966. In fact, all of the Daimajin trilogy was released in 1966, and I still don't know how that's possible. That seems like a bad business model because you got to give people time to fully digest the first movie before you throw out the second movie and kind of reinvigorate the crowd. Yeah, I don't know what's up. I don't know what's up with that. I made a big deal out of this last time. Made by the same people or made by the same company as Gamera, as we all remember. And it has the same music as the first movie, too. Yep, by Akira Hukube. Maybe not the exact same music, but very similar music. It has the same composer, at least. So, same feel. Same style. Um, yeah. So what? Uh, before we go into it, what do you feel about Return of Daimajin? I really liked it. I would say, as far as female roles, it definitely wasn't quite up to par with the first one, which was a big selling point for me, but it was still a lot of fun. It, it has that same revenge feel, that revenge feel-good story that we all love. Sure, <laughs> sure. So in that way, I really did still enjoy it. It's not quite as good as the first one for me, but... We'll talk about more of the details. Yeah. So tell us about Return of Daimajin. Is that the voice we're going with today? No. <laughs> I'm just having fun. So our story begins. In a faraway world. Of Japan. <laughs> of Shogunate Japan. Shogunate? Yeah. Shogunate? Shogunate? Shogunate. You had it right. <laughs> showrunner japan no i do have i do want to say i don't have as much like behind the scenes input to say for this episode because a lot of it the same as the first movie so don't don't look forward to too much you should have saved some back for old andrew so our story begins with some villagers trying to flee through the forest when they're cut off by some soldiers they're fleeing from Lord Donjo Mikoshiba. They run into a group of soldiers who are cutting them off, like I said. And a couple try to run, but they get 
killed and cut down, and the rest are herded. herded. Yeah, thank you. The rest are herded back to the village, but two manage to escape. They run and they make it to Yagaba Lake that has God's Island in Chigusa. A really pretty looking lake. Yeah. Um, I don't actually know where the where this lake is in Japan, but uh, it's very, very pretty. I was impressed with the setting for the whole thing. Yeah. It's not so much like standard samurai castles bamboo setting as the first movie was. Like, they had mountainous regions in the first movie, but those all looked like sets. But in this one, you could tell they went to a location that is really pretty, and they set a lot of the movie in there. And I just think that's cool. It actually reminded me a lot of Crater Lake. Yes, it looks a lot like Crater Lake. With the tiny little island in the center. Yeah. And the surrounding, yeah, like, mountainous region. Yeah. But yeah, so they make it to Jagusa, and that's kind of the end of these people's story. <laughs> we never hear from them again, it's true. We never even got them named. No. It's just a man and a woman who I believe are... A couple of some kind, and they make it to Chagusa, and then we never see them again. Yep. We hope they live long, happy lives. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Thank you. You could be my narrator. <laughs> That'll be your role this time. I don't have many details, so I have to do something. <laughs> so Lord Donjo Mikoshiba is talking with his advisor, Genba, who's kind of his right-hand man. So Donjo Mikoshiba... Uh, is played by Takashi Kanda. I have zero to say about this man other than he did a fine job. I just have I have no idea. I couldn't find any information about it. Genba uh, was played by Jutaro Hojo. And the only thing I could say about that is it sounds a lot like the name of a character from Jojo. Which character? Jotaro Kujo. Wait, say his name again. It's Jutaro Hojo. <laughs> I wonder if Jotaro Kujo is like a ripoff of this random actor. I don't. I Their names are so similar. It really weirded me out. I kept messing it up while I was typing it. Is but, he also a marine biologist? No. I wish. Does he wear a weird chain on his jacket? Does he have a weird hat hair? <laughs> no. The answer to all of these is no. He is not. He does not have a stand. Anyway, that's all I know about him. I just I'm, wanted to throw that in. I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you put that? Why would you get my hopes up? <laughs> so this is the little exposition scene. Genba is telling Lord Donjo that the villagers want to escape to Chigusa and Nagoshi, which are prosperous communities on either side of Yakima Lake because they have the lake, so it's very fertile regions, um, because they want to get away from the barren mountains of their region. Fair. Makes sense. I yeah. don't even know why it got settled in the first place. Yeah, but... that's fair. <laughs> but first they have to, in order to do that, they pass through the mountains separating Lord Donjo's area from Chigusa, which makes it really hard to stop them from escaping. And while they're describing this, we're seeing like a Lord of the Rings map of the region. It did not help me remember who the various factions are and everything. Like, it's so important who comes from where and i was regularly very confused by it i agree i think it helped a lot that i take notes during this whole thing yeah. so i have a very visual way of going back and looking but yeah so good guys chigusa and Nagoshi. bad guys mikoshiba that's the main thing you have to know that's all you need and i believe it was Nagoshi 
had split off from Chigusa. So they're very, very close. And Chigusa is actually holding a festival to celebrate their lord because of how prosperous everyone has been. Everyone loves him. Yeah. And the Nagoshi are all invited. It's such a, like, a friendly relationship between these two clans. They have a very, like, good relationship, which I don't know how realistic that is for the period, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like being constantly at war with all of your neighbors is just not a good business model. I agree. Like, we only <laughs> hear about the wars and backstabbing and stuff, but there had to have been some of this that going on, too. There has to be some type of allies. Yeah, exactly. Even if just tenuous ones. Exactly. So they plan to use this opportunity to take over Yagama Lake. That's the important thing. That's our setup. We are shown a ceremony at what looks like a Shinto shrine with a priestess dancing. Or we actually learn, I think she's not a priestess, but she's dressed like a priestess. I had assumed she was. That's why it's written in my notes like that. But So it turns out she's actually the daughter of Lord Kyoe of Nagoshi. And she is here because it's, I think it's a marriage ceremony, actually. Either that or an engagement ceremony of some kind. I think it might be that. Or like them wishing luck on both clans for their, the future wedding that will unite them. (laughs) So basically what we're saying is she's here to marry Lord Juro of the Chigusa. Exactly. Um... And she is played by Lady Sayuri Nagoshi, is played by Shiho Fujimura. Don't have anything about her either. She's just present in the movie. She's kind of the equivalent of Kozasa from the first Imagine movie. She's the love interest who kind of follows around the male leads and cries. She has more to do than Kozasa did, but... Some. She's carrying all of the... Uh, female presence in the entire movie, so she has to have a little bit more. It's like in Avatar The Last Airbender. There is that episode where they go to watch the play that the Fire Nation puts on that's mm-hmm. depicting their journey, and there's the the character of Katara who just follows along and cries yep. because her emotions are just so overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's what this character's role is. Yeah, a little bit. Both Sayuri and Kozasa kind of have that same role. Yes. No, you're totally right. Uh, So we're seeing her dancing at the Shinto Shrine. And Lord Chigusa uh, concludes the festivities. Lord Chigusa is played by Kojiro Hongo. And I do have something to say about him. Ooh, I'm excited. He was actually a pretty common actor in Daie. uh, And he was most famous... For appearing in a bunch of... Gamera movies. Gamera movies. (laughs) Haha, called it. And he was also in the first movie from the Gamera trilogy in the 90s. Who? Uh, I don't remember. It was a minor role in that movie. But he he was in a bunch of the old Showa Gamera movies. And then he was also in one of the Heisei Gamera movies. Like, he had a, a long life in the Gamera. I was gonna say, how old would he have been at the time? He would have been in his 60s. Okay. Yeah. Just because he's in this movie from the 60s, and then he's still appearing in camera movies in the 90s. <laughs> sure. He would have been like late 50s, early 60s. Okay. The Lord of Chigusa, his name is Juro. He's concluding the festivities, and he thanks Lord Hyoe of the Nagoshi for attending. Miss Sayuri, which is the dancer, and also, like we said, the, the daughter of Hyoe of Nagoshi is marrying Lord Juro of the Chigusa. 
One of the Noshi asks Juro, the Lord Chigusa, mm. how they're doing with the Mikashiba refugees. Like, how is it taking on all these people who are fleeing from the nearby town? And he's saying, well, they're working hard and very happily. So they're definitely setting up all of these characters to be, like, angelic, above reproach. Cool dudes. And they kind of drill that in over and over and over again. They really do. In fact, just as they're talking about this, some refugees who've been working in the Chino Valley arrive. And they have brought a cart full of rice and vegetables. And they say, we've each contributed one bowl of rice. (laughs) In fact, when they panned over to the cart, I remember you saying, dang! Because it was a lot. It was a a lot. So it both implies that, like, they're are a lot of them, Mm -hmm. and that they really worked hard for this. Yeah. And, of course, Juro graciously accepts and tells them to bring it to his castle. And I thought it was really funny, the watching crowd, one person's kind of whispering to another, we're so lucky here, I hope we could just be happy forever. (laughs) I wish I could be a refugee here forever. No, this is just the normal crowd. Oh, it's just the normal citizens? we're so lucky we were born here and not over there. That's a good mindset to have. (laughs) Well, it's also... Like, what could go wrong? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's yeah, the equivalent. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they show the the refugees bringing in the rice into the palace and putting it in a storeroom. And they really make a point of how heavy this rice is. It has a nice big thud as it hits the ground and they zoom in. And I made a joke at the time that it was Chekhov's rice. And you uh, may not have been wrong <laughs> with that joke. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> We make jokes, I jokingly say spoilers all the time. If you're interested in watching the movie, go watch the movie. And, and then, then come listen to and us. And then listen to us. Listen to us tear your favorite movie apart. <laughs> Not in a bad way. Just only if your favorite movie is Gorgo. And then you deserve it. Wow, you're in a mood today. <laughs> I'm just in a mood every time I talk about Gorgo. Andrew? hates Gorgo. Apparently. I didn't realize how much I had it in me. If anyone listening plans to torture Andrew, then just make him watch Gorgo over and over again. Just one more time is enough. If I'm ever in a bad mood, I'll just put on Gorgo. (laughs) Will you? (laughs) So after the ceremony, Juro and Sayuri are rolling out to pray to their god. There's a young boy with them, Ryuta, who greets them with an old man who is like the temple priest. He kind of I think he lives on this island, but he is gonging this bell. Gonging? Gonging. <laughs> He's bringing this bell as they approach, and then he and Ryuta welcome them. And Ryuta says hello to his brother, who's rowing, whose name we don't find out till halfway through the movie, but he's very important to the plot. Yes. Ryuta is played by Kiyokazu Kagatsume. Don't have anything about him? Just wanted to say his name. So he doesn't make it big? Not as far as I could see. (laughs) Like, a lot of these guys were minor parts in a bunch of samurai movies and things like that. Like, they were regulars in Dae, but none of them had big things to their name. So, And for the record, his brother's name is Totohe. I'm going to refer to him by his name, even though we don't find it out for a long time, just because it's way easier that way. Yep. So they are rowing into this little cave in God Island. God's Island? The Island. The Island. The only island. <laughs> yeah. And you see Daimajin standing, like his statue's standing behind some rocks, just like in the first movie. Yep. It's the same statue, clearly. 
just in a different location. In a different location. I wonder if canonically there's multiple Daimajin statues. I have a feeling that it's that that's what it is. That these movies are, even though they don't share any continuity, I have a feeling that they are canon with each other. They're just in different regions. So that brings up the question of, is there multiple Daimajins or is there one Daimajin who kind of inhabits all of the depictions of himself? That's a, a theological question I don't think we need to <laughs> dive into here. Is God in everything? Can he only manifest in one spot? Okay, but this is in Shinto religion, meaning there's many gods. True. So, what I, do you think? Uh, uh, I have a feeling it's the same one. Even though he shows a bunch of new powers in this movie, I, I have a feeling it's the same one. You don't think it's like Zeus versus Poseidon? I don't know why they would look the same if they were different. That's true. They do have the same sense of vengeance. They do. Which is my favorite aspect of him. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> he is definitely the vengeful god. He is. So everyone gets out of the boats and they all are bowing down to pray to Daimajin or their their god. I don't think they ever call him Daimajin. No. They just call him god. Did they call him Daimajin in the last movie? They called him the Majin. Okay. So in that one they did. Yeah. This one, he's not named, but... They say his name in the title of the movie, so... Yeah, so therefore we are allowed to call him that. Exactly. But as they're praying, his face turns red, and one of the advisors said, Oh, that must mean he's angry. It only occurs before something bad happens. This means that Negoshi Valley will perish. See, they say that, but to me it looks like he's blushing. I think he was embarrassed that so many people had come to see him. My question is, why doesn't he do something about it as a god? He's got a vengeance. Something bad has to happen for him to have power, right? I guess, but something bad has been happening, like, one town over. Nope. They didn't pray to him. So while this is happening, the Mikoshiba move to invade. The invasion begins. (laughs) It sounds like Solid Snake. Metal Gear. Liquid Snake? It sounds like Solid Snake. Josh's Snake? It sounds like Solid Snake. (laughs) Plasma Snake? Gassy Snake? Continue. (laughs) (laughs) So, back to the Chekhov's rice. You're seeing people cut themselves out of the bundles of rice, and they they move aside some of the vegetables and pull out weapons from the boxes. It wasn't Chekhov's rice. It was a Trojan rice. That was very good. <laughs> How long have you been planning that line? Uh, when we watched the movie. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> I thought of it too late to say it at the time, and so I held on to it. It really is Trojan's rice, because then these people go to the gates and let in the army that's waiting right outside. It's literally just a Trojan horse situation. It's the exact same thing. The Trojans did it first. Probably. I'm assuming so, yes. I think. I don't know what timeline this is in. No, this is like 1700, so absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I guess this isn't meanwhile, because Juro Juro is actually here, and he and his men are fighting through the invaders. It's true. His men are trying to hold them off so Gokuro and Juro can get out through Izumi Gate. They kept saying Izumi Gate like it was important, but it wasn't. No, I think it's just, that's a Japanese thing as you name the gates. But they just said Izumi Gate a lot. Head sure. to Izumi Gate, head to Izumi Gate. Sure. 
So one of the men lets them out through a trap door and then collapses it behind them. Okay, this is an actual meanwhile. Meanwhile. <laughs> meanwhile. <laughs> Kiyoe and his people, so Lord Nagoshi and his people, are praying to Daimajin to protect them. And a man runs in to report that Chigusa Castle has been attacked and taken over. Mikoshiba has taken over Nagoshi. We were kind of confused in this part because it seems like they took over part and then he's like, they might take over more. I was, I don't know, I was confused in, in, when I was watching it. Okay, so what happened is one person comes running in saying they took over Chigusa, and then another one comes in saying they took over Nagoshi, and, but he, they didn't take over Nagoshi. Right. we see later that he still controls it. Right, and Lord Nagoshi's like, I better leave before they take over Nagoshi, even though I was just told that they were take. it, it was very confused. I think it was a translation error. That's, that's my guess on what happened I'm, here. I am assuming so too. But they have to get ready to defend themselves, so he sends his son... Katsushi to find out what's happening with Chigusa while mean while him and his men get back to Nagoshi. Yes, I have nothing to say about Katsu, 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 Katsushi. 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 He's a pretty main character. Katsushi. Do I not have anything to say about? Him? Oh, it's Katsushige. That's right. They shorten the name. Oh, in that's parts right. Of it. Okay, so sometimes he's called Katsushi. Sometimes they call him Katsushige. Uh, here he calls him Katsushi, and I think that's because it's his son, so it's like a... They shorten it for... It's it's like a um, term of endearment. Yeah, yeah. But everyone else calls him Katsushige. Yeah. So Katsushige Nagoshi is played by Koichi U- Uenoyama. That was a surprisingly hard name to say all of a sudden, because it's just a lot of vowels. Uenoyama. He is probably best known for his appearances in the original Kamen Rider. Does Amanda know what Common Rider is? Is this what turns into Power Rangers? It didn't turn into Power Rangers, but it is a Sentai show. Like, it is a Japanese superhero show, kind of like Ultraman, kind of like Power Rangers. Common Rider is one of those original, original shows that made that genre popular. I have not seen any Common Rider. The bits I've seen from it look absolutely nuts, and I kind of do. So it's perfect for you. I kind of do want to watch it. I believe, like, his, I believe the Kamen Rider thing is that he has a motorcycle. Like, he's a Power Ranger on a motorcycle, is my understanding. I could be wrong about that. So it's like Knight Rider. He's like Knight Rider. (laughs) Yes. Sure. (laughs) I feel like one genre that you really like is just what the heck is happening. Absolutely. I just like, I like style. A lot. That doesn't um, mean anything. No, I like things that have, uh, uh, they make stylistic choices. I think that's exciting to me, where they're like, we're doing this just because it looks cool, or it's a cool idea. Those are exciting to me. Punch the spaghetti. Punch the spaghetti, exactly. Common writer punches spaghetti all the time, from what I understand. This is a joke for the JoJo fans in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So the Mikoshiba soldiers are still looking for Juro, and they assume, probably rightly, that he's going to go to Nagoshi, so they push on to there. Katsushi then returns to his father and reports that Chigusa has been taken over, and they're looking for Juro. And then there's a big standoff. Danjo and his men show up at the Nagoshi castle, and they're demanding Juro. They assume he's here, and they want to search the castle, and... And he's not, right? Like, And we don't know where he is at this point. I don't think we've seen him pop up anywhere. So for all we know, he could be there hiding in a bag of rice. <laughs> That'd be great if that's, everyone did that. 
It's just the thing to do. Yeah. And nobody ever thinks to check the bags of rice. Yeah, it's the sneaking in divinity <laughs> where you turn into a big rock. In this area, you just turn into rice. Or a bush. Or a bush, yeah. So, Donjo comes in demanding Juro, and Hyoe, or Nagoshi, gets in the ways, and he's not here. And Donjo's like, well, he must be here. Given to us, or we're going to take over your place, too. And Hyoe, Lord Hyoe, Lord Nagoshi, same person, he keeps preventing a fight from breaking out. Because yeah. his men keep getting riled up. And Donjo's men keep getting aggressive and he's standing in the way between the two saying, this isn't going to solve anything. I think this scene is this movie's version of the priestess being cool in the previous movie. Like, yes. It's a guy who's by force of personality is holding back a, a fight. Doesn't last long, but... <laughs> So Donja orders his men to go search the castle and he you know, like gets in his face and says, you'll see God's wrath if you bring harm to this land. And Donja just laughs at him and challenges Daimajin. Yep. He's like, bring it on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the, that's definitely what it says. It was a weird translation. <laughs> they call each other bro all the time. Again, he he tells his men to go search the castle, and when Hioi gets in the way this time, he stabs him in the back. Yeah. Literally. He literally gets stabbed in the back. And even while Lord Nagoshi is dying, he demands that Katsushige and his men stand down for the sake of the people and for the sake of Nagoshi. So, he's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a cool, like, very peaceful lord. He, he's looking out for his people, and yeah. Like, he's definitely the voice of reason for everybody. He gets killed immediately, though. I know. I'm so sad. But he does tell them God is on their side. And then he perishes. And everybody, all his people, take a knee. There's a little bit of fighting, but it's quickly put down. And Katsushige is taken hostage until they get Juro and locked in one of the cellars or the... the. It's like a cell, but in the ground. Yeah, it's... It's interesting. I don't know if that is like a wine cellar or something that they've turned into a dungeon or if that's just what dungeons look like in shogunate castles. I don't know. And then Donjo leaves behind Onikojima to watch the castle. He's kind of temporarily in charge. I just found out that Onikojima is Genba. Yep. So his right hand man. Jutaro Hojo. <laughs> Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> yes. They hold a funeral for Hyoe, so I think already he is a better bad guy. Still bad guy, but he lets them kind of continue on with their lives for the most part. Yeah, yeah. He's a bad dude, but he's not necessarily a bad ruler. Mm. Not necessarily. He was killing people who tried to escape. He was a bad ruler. <laughs> <laughs> and a bad person. But he did one okay thing. I'm just saying he's he's not quite on the level of Daimajin, the first movie. Yeah. Because they were basically in slave camps. Yeah, that's true. So Todahei, which is the little boy's brother, Rita's brother, has brought Sayuri to Yagamo Island or God's Island. Same thing. Yeah. And there they pray to Daimajin to protect Nagoshi, Chigusa, Juro, and Katsushige. And she offers up her life. Mm -hmm. She for tries them. To, tries to do the same thing that Kazusa did in the first movie. Yeah, she 
is, like we said, the equivalent to Kazusa. So while she's on the island, Mikoshiba's men arrive, and the the older priest, I don't think we ever get a name, he's just the priest, and I think even in the, the credits they call him the priest. Yeah, I don't think he has a name. He hides Sayuri and Todahe away, and the men start carving out the rock around Daimajin. Right. And the priest obviously tries to stop them, but they restrain him. Then Sayuri comes running out to try to stop them and is restrained. She's regularly very bad at hiding. I feel so bad for Todahe. His role in the movie is trying to protect Sayuri and then having her run out and get noticed anyway. And then he gets caught up in it too. It happens a lot. Oh, I just realized I have the name for Todahe's uh, actor. Oh, who is it? Taro Marui. He was in... A, he had a, I think a pretty large role in a Zatoichi movie, which is a samurai movie. And he also was in Gamera vs. Gauss, which is, I believe, the third Showa Gamera movie. Hey, I saw that one. No. You saw the 90s trilogy. Who fights Gauss? Gamera does. Gauss are also in that, because those are like a reboot. Oh, I was thinking that was the only movie with a Gauss in it. Nope. So I was really confused. I'm like, I have seen a movie where he fights Gauss. <laughs> you have seen a movie where he fights Gauss, but Gamera versus Gauss is from like the 70s. Okay. Or Fair. 60s. Fine. <laughs> so the men continue to cut away the, to break away the rock, and then they set a ton of explosives out. This is pretty much like they need to destroy the statue. But it also is letting us know for the future they have access to dynamite. Lots of it. Or maybe not dynamite, but explosives. There's like a cart full. It's a so lot much. of dynamite. So much more than they need. For one statue. Yeah. <laughs> that they don't think is magical in any way. Exactly. So they place these dynamite sticks or whatever. This explosive, these explosives around the waist of the statue. And... Um, then they light the fuses and they run back to hide behind rocks and the priest runs out to try to like stamp out the fuse. Yeah, because of course. <laughs> and then the men kill him. Yeah. And then Sayuri runs out to try to put out the fuse because of course she does. Yep. And she's stopped by Todahe and there he kind of throws them both into the water right as the explosion goes off and destroys the statue and pieces land even as far as the shore. Mm-hmm. of either Nagoshi or Chigusa. I think it's Chigusa. Right. Where the villagers are watching. And the men are like, ah, they're dead, and they just leave. Yeah. But as they're leaving, there starts to be some bubbling and lights. But the men are like, ah, it's just lightning. <laughs> I don't know what kind of lightning they're used to. Yeah. Red lightning. Red lightning. Red lightning. Oh, red lightning. I'm upset because you made the joke before I could. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Back on track. So then Sayuri and Todohei just like kind of push away the rubble and they're fine. They even say they don't even have a scratch on them. Yeah. It's a miracle, one might say. (laughs) Onikojima, which is Genba. Yes. Is gloating to Katsushi through the, the... barred door saying that they destroyed the statue and Katsushi or Katsushige is obviously pissed and tells them that God will punish them. So I immediately like that everybody is very religious. They all, 
Like, in the first one, they had a ritual to the god, but other than that, they, it was just kind of paying lip service. The priestess is the only one who was really kind of confident in the belief that yeah. God will show up and and do the right thing, even as she was dying. But the rest of the villagers never really brought him up, other than during that one ceremony at the beginning. Sure. And in this movie, everybody kept saying, God will avenge us. Right. God's on our side. In the first movie, they... Act, this is part of why I'm unsure if these movies share continuity or whatever. Because in the first movie, they act like the Majin is a monster that's being held back. Or, you know, it's some evil force. And then in this one, it's definitely a, a faith that is shared by these two peoples that live around the lake. I mean, that's true, because before they were, like, afraid to go on the mountain. You weren't supposed to go on God's mountain. He would, you know, punish you for doing that. I wonder, the other argument for the reverse of that is that maybe this is just a different culture or a different group of people's way of dealing with an actual God. This is how they've come to view this God, whereas the people of the other village came to view him as a wrathful god. To them, it's a protecting god. Yeah, it's a a different interpretation. Just like the different denominations of, say, Christianity. Yeah, yeah. That happens all the time with religion. So yeah, makes sense to me. By the way, every time we talk about Genba, I think of... You haven't seen Neon Genesis Evangelion, but there's a character in that named Gendo, and there's a fan video from a long time ago where uh, every time he comes on screen, someone says, It's Gendo! And every time we talk about Gemba, I want to say, It's Gemba! And then I just expect, like, techno music to start playing and people to be dancing really weird. That's correct. Is that that what happened? That is a correct thing for the fan video, yes. (laughs) It's Genbo time! And then Katsushige says he doesn't understand how they could kill the villagers who are feeding them. So, again, all of the people, all the main characters on the good side are kind of, again, above reproach. They're they're put on a pedestal. Like, they're almost not even human with how perfect they are. Sure. Just so easily fall on their sword. Yes. <laughs> so Sayuri's plan is to stay on the island They're protected by the god there, and she thinks that praying is the only thing she can do, which really is the the only thing she does. But anyway. (laughs) And then a boat floats in with the wounded Juro and Hayato. They're alive! They're alive! It's a miracle, one might say. (laughs) And obviously, Donjo's men are still looking for Juro. Genba believes they must have escaped via Yagamo Lake. And he, he sends out a search party to God Island. So Juro and Hayato and Sayuri and Todohe are all talking. They're kind of planning what to do next. And Juro plans to take Hayato to Chigusa to capture Donjo and use him to bargain for Katsushige. I say that Todohe and Sayuri were planning too, but let's be honest, they didn't really get any say in this. No, they really didn't. She, you know, puts up a token protest like, oh, be safe. But really, other than that... They don't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but he promises to be back before sunrise. Can we talk about the boats that they were using, by the way? <laughs> they 
They're the weirdest boats I've ever seen. They just look like swamp boats, like the or they kind of remind me of the Italian ones with the you push with sure. the um, the staff and the canals. Sure, except that instead of that, which makes sense to me, it they've got this like paddle on the end. They just kind of wiggle it back and forth, and it can't go faster than like two miles an hour. And there's so many parts in this movie that remind me of uh, that scene in Austin Powers where the guy's getting run over by the steamroller. <laughs> he's just standing there as it slowly comes towards him. Or my favorite car chase from Godzilla versus Megalon. <laughs> or, or that, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny to me. And like, there are a few boat chases coming up. And it's like two people just madly wiggling a paddle back and forth it's so funny to me i saw the movie and i had just a better image pop in my head just now (laughs) but the men who came to search the island see juro and hayato leaving and then the boat chase ensues (laughs) the boat chase exactly (laughs) right on track and they even juro and hayato are are furiously wiggling until they get caught on a rock and then they're um, futilely wiggling. I don't even know how you're supposed to steer these things. I don't know. But as the soldier's boat approaches, it kind of just stops dead. No matter right. what they do, they can't get their boat to move forward. It's not caught in anything. But there's the sound of rocks moving under the water, and then water shoots up, and the men in the boat are pulled under the water. Yep. It's America. <laughs> and the weird thing about this is that when they use the dynamite, Damaging's gone. Like his his statue just exploded into a million pieces. Yes. So that was one thing I thought was really weird in this one compared to the last one. Is he seems pretty fallible this time. I mean, he definitely gives the appearance of it. Especially since the first one, he's so tied to that body. At least at the beginning. At the end, the body like crumbles away and he flies out of it. But like the injuries that are done to that body are sustained when he takes on his full form yeah he bleeds when the stake is driven through his head but this one could get blown into pieces and is fine yeah because he's a god yeah he just gets different powers so again it kind of lends itself more towards the different god maybe yeah so juro and hayato get themselves unstuck from the rock and sneak in as donjo's being entertained by women and booze <laughs> correct this is a correct assessment they're spotted and they're shot at, but they manage to escape through a hidden passage because this is Juro's castle. Of course he knows the hidden passages. He better. He manages to get a hold of Donjo and by holding a knife to his throat, uses him as a hostage to slip away. And the people of Chagusa catch word of what's going on because they're not being subtle. There's a ton of soldiers running after them. Yeah. And everyone's being pretty loud. Donjo manages to slip away when Juro's distracted to get away from him and call his men to him. And Juro and Hayato suddenly have to fight off an army of men. And they do. Like, Yeah, they pretty, hold their own. <laughs> they're pretty great. Again, we just set up Juro and all the heroes as being... Perfect. ...better than human. Yes. And then the villagers kind of come swarming in to come to the rescue of their lord. Mm-hmm. And... Drew and Hayato are able to dive into a well when the guns come out and, you know, leave all the villagers to suffer without them. Letting us know they have guns. We're just slowly building up all the tools that they have that they're going to try and use on Daimajin later. I mean, they were shot at earlier in this scene when they first got spotted. That's true. 
I'm just saying that this whole thing does tell us they have access to black powder in many different forms. Explosives, guns, I wonder if that's the benefit of living in the mountains. Oh, maybe that's why they set up there, is they have access to black powder. Makes sense. So Totohe had been to negotiate, and he's coming back to God Island where Sayuri is waiting for him, and tells her that Katsushige is going to be killed if they don't turn him over if they don't turn Juro over by sunrise. And again, they just then pray. Mm-hmm. So Genba, who has been put in charge of Nagoshi, brings Katsushi out to the lake where he announces to all the watching villagers that they need to hand over Juro by the end of the day or Katsushige will die. And Katsushige says, Nuh-uh. <laughs> well, he does say, well, then kill me then. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he's not playing that game. He tells Katsushige to be mad at the villagers for not helping him, and Katsushige just refuses. He says, after I die, I'll become a protective spirit. If you strike me down, I will only become the Star Wars reference. Continue. (laughs) Ryuto, the the young boy, Totohe's younger brother, then throws a rock and hits him in the head and runs as soldiers chase him in kind of a Scooby-Doo-ish fight. Um, chasing it really is ryuta has a plan actually and it works out very well for him so as he's running away both the soldiers and the the watching people spot the remains of a boat with one of the dead soldiers in it and a huge rock in his chest Mm -hmm. like probably as long as my arm and as thick as a basketball at the widest end. Yeah, and it's not, like, sharp or anything, but it is in him. Like, through his chest. Yeah. And the soldiers are rightfully spooked. <laughs> they say he was killed on the island, so Juro must be there. I don't know how Juro was meant to shove this dull rock through a guy's chest. Yeah, that's a weird... Like, I understand them saying something's going on on the island, but weird for them to think Juro is there. And so while the soldiers are distracted, Ryuta sneaks over and unties Katsushige, and they are able to escape by boat in the fog. Yes. Towards the island, madly wiggling as they escape to the island. <laughs> so the, the Mikoshiba men are back at the island, and Todahe and Sayuri go to hide kind of near the bell out on the cliff. Right. They see Juro and Hayato approaching as the Mikoshiba men are searching the island, and their boats are all inside the cave, so Juro and Hayato do not see them. Right. The Mikoshiba men do find some of their stuff, so they know somebody's here, and Sayuri starts ringing the bell to warn Juro away, which is very smart and actually probably the best thing she does, but poor Totohe is killed because the men find them, and he kind of jumps in front of her and saves her. Yeah, but it is such a good... It's a, such a good solution to the problem. Yeah. Um, and it definitely is proof that she does more than uh, Kozasa does in the yeah. first movie. I do like her more than Kozasa, and it kind of makes up a little bit for not having that priestess in this one. But yeah. still, I'm missing that priestess. Yeah. So Juro wants to go save her, but Hayato doesn't listen and just turns the boat away because he's the one wiggling. <laughs> Did I ever say who plays Hayato? I don't think so. Uh, Hayato is played by Sei Hiraizumi, uh, and he actually will show up in a movie you've seen outside of this podcast, one that you very much like. Seven Samurai? Uh, Godzilla movie. Oh, Godzilla versus Megalon? No, outside of this podcast. Outside of it. 
Oh, Shin Godzilla? He shows up in Shin Godzilla. He's, I love Shin Godzilla. He's one of the, I assume, probably a million different politicians who are in that movie. There's a lot of characters in that movie. I am counting down the days until we could do Shin Godzilla, but I feel like we really need to do it for some type of like big event, like our 50th episode or an anniversary or something like that. Well, maybe we will. I just really want to do Shin Godzilla. Maybe we will. Watch for the for our one year anniversary. We're going to end up watching like Gorgo again. <laughs> just to make you sad. <laughs> we, we need to do a second take. So the Mikashiba men do see Juro and Hayato wiggling away, and the second slow <laughs> boat race ensues. This is the one that made me laugh really hard, and for reasons that are coming up, actually. It's just the boats, like, moving very slowly across the screen, and the one in the front going, like, no! Yeah, he looks back all panicked, like, <laughs> oh, they're wiggling. I mean, they do have guns. Yes, that is a, an issue. They ain't gonna wiggle faster than a bullet. So we hear gunshots as they're being chased, and then it kind of cuts away so we don't know what happened, and the Mikoshiba men go to throw the bell off the cliff because they're doing it as like a punishment for her warning Juro and Hayato away. And as the bell falls off of the cliff, the sound design is actually fantastic because if... I was going to predict what sounds the bell would make in a movie. Uh, I would predict that they would just use the same sound effect over and over. But, like, the sound of the bell hitting the cliff, like, I'm bouncing off of it, is different every time. Which makes me feel like whoever was in charge of the sound effects in this movie, like, dropped a big bell. Or, you know, did something that, like, made realistic I think you could get that at least similar by hitting it on different angles, like one towards the bottom of the bell, one towards the top of the bell. Yeah. And kind of get that different sound effect as you move away from it. Yeah. I don't know who did the sound effects in this movie. Usually if Akube like would do some sound effects in movies where he was doing the music and he did the music in this, but I have a feeling that may have been a part of the special effects director for this movie who I do need to talk about a little bit because I didn't mention him at all in the previous movie, which is egg on my face. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> you never heard that phrase? I have. Do oh, okay. people use it anymore? I do. I do like you? Eggs. I like eggs. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever heard you use that. <laughs> you just did. Okay. <laughs> so the special effects director is Yoshiyuki Kuroda. He did the special effects for all the Daimajin movies. So he was there in the first movie. I just didn't. I, I think I forgot to write down his name or something. He was a director for some of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, which are apparently very good samurai movies. Um, but he also did the special effects for a movie that I love very much, may or may not be on our list, called Yokai Monsters Spook Warfare. <laughs> I already wanted to watch it. Uh, which is, it's so it's such a fun movie. Just as like a little preview for whenever we in the far-flung future watch this movie, it's imagine a bunch of Japanese ghosts that are the main characters of the movie. And they're like trying to spook the bad guys to get them to leave a castle or whatever. It's so much fun. It's very good. Great special effects. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's like Scooby-Doo meets Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. And there is a giant one, which is why it is technically enough a kaiju movie to make it on our list. I feel like I almost want to do like a separate thing for samurai movies, just because I'm finding more and more that I really like samurai movies. Yeah, that would be fun. So as Juro and Hayate are alive and wiggling away, they run into Ryuta and Katsushige, who are approaching from the other way, and they just start conversing. They just stop. Even though they're in the middle of a chase. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> that was the part that made me laugh really hard, is they had their conversation, and then the other boat starts coming up behind them. And they get shot at again, so they all have to duck down. Yeah, and everyone's like, Juro and Hayato are, like, shocked that people are still chasing them, even <laughs> though it's from three minutes ago. I just thought that was very funny. But then boats come in from all sides, and they get surrounded. So they get tied up and brought back. And they're strung up on these, I think they're on logs. They're they're on these, like, posts. Big, yeah, big posts. With some of the villagers, which maybe these are the villagers who helped Juro and um, Hayato escape. I think that they're some of the ones who were fighting when Juro was in the castle. Yeah. So Juro is yelling at Donjo for punishing women and children. Yeah, because Ryuta's here, too. He's also tied up on this, mm-hmm. so... And there are some women up there. Juro and Katsushige are still insisting that God will punish him. Yep. They're fir- very firm in their belief. I like how at no point do they say that God will protect them. It's all God <laughs> will punish you. He waits. And then he acts. And Donjo, again, brags he's stronger than God. He's just like egging this Daimajin on. <laughs> that is a line that never goes well for you in a movie. <laughs> I'm more powerful than God. Oh, you said it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not in a movie, so it's fine. Are you? Is Whoa. this the real life? <laughs> Is this just fantasy? <laughs> You're in a mood today. <laughs> <laughs> the cake is a lie. <laughs> Sorry, back on track. Um, so Yuri's brought out and tied up on, like, a cross. And she's on top of this kind of pyre. But unlike the, like, Roman crosses, she this is a very comfortable, like, polite one. Like, because she has a little place to stand on it. She's not holding up her weight at all. She's very loosely tied to this She's thing, too. She's very loosely tied to it. And there's some shots where it cuts away and it's clearly a doll. I didn't notice that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny to me. But, you know, that happens. And they light the pyre, and Sayuri's just pretty chill about it. She again, is offering her life up to God to save everyone. And then she starts crying. And this is actually the first part in the movie where she cries, I think. And that is the thing, again, just like the first movie that triggers Daimajin. He's powered by tears. So the... I just like the image of that. They have to collect like a <laughs> bottle of tears and pour it into some <coughs> funnel in the back of his head. It's salt water. That means it can hold a charge. Then why don't you just use salt water? He's a robot, therefore. Why don't you just use water from the ocean? <laughs> they don't have an ocean. They have a lake. Or add salt to the water. Hmm. Why not cry? It's easier. Is it? <laughs> one tear powers him for one second. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> so the wind starts picking up and steam starts coming in from off the lake. Or I guess it's called fog. 
I guess that's the word for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, my brain's not working. You've been reading a lot. I have. Help it's me a, out here. It's a lot of notes. So the fog <laughs> appears on the lake and Daimajin rises from the water as a statue. Uh, and then he does the like hand wave in front of his face. Like in Princess Diaries? We made that exact same joke last time. Did we? We did. That's like my one association with that. With like the smile and crying with yeah. the, the hand in front of your face. He transforms into Daimajin. And he looks pretty much exactly the same as he did last time. Big angry green face. I love his design. Very intense eyes. The eyes are what make it for me. Mm-hmm. I said it last time. They did such a good job of blending the eyes into the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daimajin is a fantastic looking creature. Daimajin then uh, begins showing some of his new power set for this movie. He's got a lot of like nature power in this movie. Water specifically. Water specifically. And fire. He... Oh, and wind. And wind. So you're right. So he just needs... Elemental power. He just needs heart. And then he's got all of Captain Planet. (laughs) He... I mean, that's what the tears are. He is Captain Planet. What tears? That's the tears from the lady. It's adding heart to his... Oh my god. Earth, wind, fire, and air. I wish I remembered any of the Captain Planet theme song. (laughs) I can do Sky Dancers. So he starts showing his power, his new power set, by uh, uh, parting the water. Parting the Red Sea. Parting the Red Sea. Pretty much exactly that, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then walks to shore from from his island. I think one of my favorite depictions of that, like, concept is in Prince of Egypt, where you can see the shadows of fish swimming around yeah i love that as a concept i guess they also do that in a lot of other things like in avatar you see the dragon go by them yeah we should do avatar it it has dragon kaiju we're not gonna watch a whole show but i want to watch it we already did can we rewatch it i'm cutting this (laughs) (laughs) opposite kaiju so the wind comes and puts out the fire that is around Sayuri. And there's also rain, I think, too. And they their first response is to... They're, like, yelling, Get some oil! Put it on the fire! Keep it going! Um, As opposed to dealing with the problem that just showed up? Well, they haven't seen Daimajin yet. He's walking there from the island. And then... He's kind of hard to miss. They begin to hear footsteps. And Daimajin basically walks up to the outer wall of the castle and just puts both hands on it and pushes and the whole wall comes crashing down. It's like they don't use any mortar. Yeah, it it did kind of look like a kid knocking over a bunch of like bricks, like toy blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um like the wall looked real when mm-hmm. when he started and it just like maybe doesn't fall collapsed apart. into pieces. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, they start shooting it with guns. It doesn't work. It just They just bounce off of them. You fool, guns can't hurt me. Have you ever seen that Superman comic from the Golden Age where it's just a single panel or a couple panels where a uh, guy's shooting him with bullets and the bullets fly off of him and then the guy decides to try and hit Superman with the gun that he was shooting it with. I mean, if you're desperate, 
I get it. I just think that's very funny. It's like shooting someone and then throwing your gun at them when you're out of bullets. Like, that whole thing is What else is he going to do? Punch him? Keep the gun? I don't know. My question, though, is they already blew this guy into pieces. If that didn't kill him, I don't think a gun will. They're, I don't know, they're very confident in their black powder, apparently. He walks over to the crucifix that Sayuri's attached to and just kind of wiggles it back and forth and then uh, picks it up and places it on the ground. As opposed to the last movie where he kind of just like tipped it over and let it fall with the person on it. Exactly. Um, She's still tied to it, but she's, I don't know, horizontal now. She's not on fire. Away from a pyre. Yeah, exactly. Donjo threat he basically takes juro and holds a sword up to him is like i'll kill him if you come any closer and then he just gets like hit by a light or something it's very hard to tell exactly what's happening but like there's a a light and he goes ah and then he runs away i don't i don't think that Daimajin actually cares if they die this one might the one in the previous movie where he started going on a rampage after he helped people Definitely not. <laughs> but th- I think this one might. Because he did save him. Yeah, but he didn't save Lord Nagoshi, who probably had the most faith in him. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows how his, how how he works. I feel like I'm pronouncing his name so American. Yeah, that's fine. I'm pretty sure it's Nagoshi. Nagoshi, yeah. But that's and fine. I'm doing Nagoshi. That's fine. I'm not great with my pronunciation. Like, I know the correct pronunciations, but when you're saying a sentence, you're sometimes you just default to what makes sense to your mouth. Naruto. Naruto. <laughs> um, Daimajin then walks past all of our main characters who are watching him in awe. A bunch of villagers run over and help start, like, untying people and, um, you know, are helping get the people who were all tied up free. Including Ryuta's mom, which I thought was very cute, but he's got some news to break to her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. His brother. And then, as you put it in your notes, Daimajin wrecks stuff. (laughs) I'm so eloquent when I need to be. He tears down a tower with some people in it. Just like the first one. Yep. Uh, they try to stop him with chains and grappling hooks and ropes and stuff. And he just kind of drags them behind him and knocks everything over. Just like the first one. It's basically exactly the same as what happened in the first one, yeah. This is the same scene, just it's, with, like, a different setting. Yeah, it's refilmed. It's not, like, stock Oh, finished. yeah, I didn't think that. Because this is, I think this one was actually rope and the last one was chains. Uh, Yeah, I think you might be right. But, like... It's exactly the same. <laughs> and then they set up explosives. They've, like, led him through this, like, walled-in, like, channel. Aha, in... you've come directly into my trap. Yeah, it's it's basically, it's the part of a castle that is designed to narrow down invading forces so that you know exactly where they're going to be and you can shoot them or whatever. So they lead Daimajin down that way and they set up a bunch of... Uh, black powder explosives, at, like we saw them have earlier, 
and then they shoot a flaming arrow at it to make it explode and it does and then we can't see Daimajin anymore because of the smoke and obviously that means he's gone forever good show sir <laughs> <laughs> we might have done that last time too no we did that for um might have been last time but we did it for Mothra oh okay we didn't do it for Daimajin that's, that's why right. I wanted to reference it back that's right and then when the smoke clears he's just standing there he's just fine not a scratch on him he's already proven that explosives don't work yes well they didn't work on that the statue form maybe on this more powerful living god form (laughs) the men run away daimajin picks up a big boulder and throws it on top of genba and genba is dead there's a big genba is splat Yes, he, he goes splat. Uh, Donjo then tries to escape on a boat with a sail. He doesn't have to wiggle anything <laughs> to make this boat go. I think he still does, though. I think he might. I think yes. it has both. Yeah, I think you're right. And then Daimajin follows him towards the water, steps into the water a bit, and the current in the water changes direction, and the boat is forced to turn around towards Daimajin. Which is such a fun thing for Daimajin to do. He could easily, as we will see, he could easily just have killed him right then. But he wanted to look him in the eye. (laughs) Again, the reason you watch a Daimajin movie is for the revenge scenes. Exactly. And then this like little like bead of flame spurts from Daimajin's general area. And travels along the surface of the water. His genital area. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it actually does. Uh, it travels along the water towards the boat that oh. Donjo's on and sets the boat on fire. And Donjo's like, ah! <laughs> and Say then it again? He's like, ah! <laughs> Donjo then tries to climb up the mast to get away from the fire. Don't know why he doesn't just jump in the water. That seems like an easy solution to me, but whatever. I don't know. The water's kind of Damajin's home turf. So, I mean, we everywhere is his home turf, apparently. That's true. And he climbs up the mast, and then the mast kind of breaks a little bit, and he gets tangled in the rope and gets strangled in a crucifixion position. I do like the sense of irony to the endings of these movies. Yeah. I love that... Okay, it was... Better and cooler that the last one died with a stake through his chest. Head. Yeah, yeah. He takes remember. the stake out of his head and thrusts it through the guy's body. It was his body, okay. Yeah. And I love that this guy died in the way he was trying to kill Sayuri. Yeah, crucified and burning. Yes, exactly. Yes. So everybody's obviously just watching this from shore, and Sayuri starts running out to the water to thank Daimajin and is crying. A tear hits the water and he transforms back into a statue and collapses away into water. Yep. Because he is depowered by tears as well. It's the on and off switch. It's the on and off switch. And Juro comes up behind her and says the island is gone, but he will protect them forever. Mm. And then we hear gonging from the bell that was destroyed, mm-hmm. which I think is a really cool touch. It and, is. And Ruta says it's coming from the lake. And then Juro ends by saying he's ringing the bell to pray for peace. Yes. Which is totally what Daimajin stands for, is peace. This Daimajin's a little more for it than the previous <laughs> one. He just he just leaves when his job is done. That's true. But he also kind of lets a lot of stuff happen before he steps in. He wants to let people have 
free will and solve their own problems. At least this one didn't wait 10 years before stepping in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is all, I think, pretty firm evidence to me that it's not the same Daimajin because this one does act, unless he learned from the previous one. (laughs) After a ton of people died. Yeah. Yeah. Like most of the main cast. Just real fast, I wanted to talk about the the rest of the crew that made the movie. The producer, same producer as the first Daimajin, he pretty much produced everything that Dai put out, like I said last time. His name is Masaichi Nagata. The director is different. The director is named Kenji, Kenji Misumi, and he directed a lot for the Lone Wolf and Cub series and the Zatoichi series. So he is a a well-trained samurai movie uh, director. I would say I do like the fight scenes in this. Mm-hmm. I like the scenes of Juro escaping his castle. Yeah. I'd say that there's two great halves to both of these Daimajin movies. There's all the samurai stuff mm-hmm. that's very good. And then there's Daimajin wrecking stuff. Which is even better. Which is also very good. <laughs> exactly. And then the writer is the same writer as the first Daimajin, uh, Tetsuro Yoshida. So I have a question for you. Talking about Daimajin being a god and everything like that, as we did in this movie. I want to propose a... a... Propose? But we're already <laughs> married. Sorry, go ahead. I want to propose a thought experiment. That's less exciting. Um, uh, imagine we're playing like D&D or whatever, and you're making a cleric. And the gods that you can choose from are monsters that we've watched in this podcast that are worshipped by people at some point. Which I believe for us at this stage is Mothra, Daimajin, and maybe technically Godzilla in the first Godzilla movie? Yeah, there's people like dancing to him sure. and stuff. Uh, we'll take the first Godzilla as, a, as an option too. Who who are you choosing as your patron god in our our uh, RPG? Oh, absolutely, Daimajin, because he would give you the coolest powers. It seems like he would give you a lot of cool powers. Although Mothra will move heaven and earth to make sure you're safe. So yeah, Mothra's definitely more a god of protection, and uh, Daimajin's a god of vengeance. So and Godzilla's a god of wrecking stuff. <laughs> in that first movie. He- Pretty much just that, yeah. He's a grumpy boy. He's a grumpy boy. He just got woke up by a big boom. (laughs) I might bring this up again later when we get more more monsters that are worshipped by stuff. Like, for instance, maybe King Kong. But we'll wait till we get to those. So I know we touched on this a lot throughout this episode, but I just want to highlight the biggest differences between Damaging 1 and Damaging 2 because they are two, because they are... Very similar. Yes. The biggest one is obviously the lack of a very cool priestess. (laughs) Of course, yeah. She's kind of replaced by Lord Nagoshi, but you can't beat her. She's pretty cool. It's just like, if you have to compare her to someone, it's him. But they're not the same. It's not, it's just not the same. So that's the biggest thing. And therefore, the female cast is very lacking. You really only have Saiguri... And Ryuto's mom gets a line. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Gets one line about 
oh, Ryuto, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, it's better than Gorgo. Sayuri is a step up from Kozasa, but, you know, yeah. she still plays the role of the crying character. So yeah. I think the female cast is definitely lacking compared to the first Amazine, but like you said, way better than Gorgo. Yes. The setting, I think, is the biggest difference for me. Like, the like I mentioned in the previous one, the previous one, it's all uh, castles and a mountain set. But this one has, like, sweeping vistas. Like, it just, it's a really pretty looking movie compared to the first one. The first one's a lot of brown. And this one's got some really pretty greens and blues. And we didn't mention it at the time, but every time that they float into visit the statue on the island they go through some tori those red Mm -hmm. gates that you know you have at a lot of spiritual places in japan and those get destroyed when he gets destroyed when the statue does Mm -hmm. and we always cut away to multiple times in the movie you cut away to the destruction of one of them in the shape of a crucifix almost which i think might be like reflecting on how things are going to go later in the movie but that looks really good, and I think that just in general, this movie looks a lot better than the first one. Yeah, I definitely have this this snapshot in my head from when that couple at the beginning of the movie escapes to Chigusa, and you there's this shot of them looking out. You can see they're kind of cresting a hill, and they're looking down at the lake as it's framed through two hills, mm-hmm. and the island's kind of centered between the two often on the horizon and it's just very pretty it looks like a postcard almost yeah film buffs would call that an establishing shot amanda would call that pretty (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes (laughs) with her vast technical knowledge (laughs) i agree that like for the first movie the image in my head when i think of the movie is him you know sticking the stake in the guy's chest and the image in my head for this movie is probably that establishing shot like it's such a pretty shot yeah and then obviously the last thing is one we've touched on a lot which is the difference between the two the two depictions of Daimajin one being much more like wait until it's way over and then come through and kill everyone I think the first one's acts more wrathfully yes and it has a lot more limited powers, where the second one is a lot more proactive mm-hmm. and has a, a few more elemental powers thrown in. Sure. But I don't understand why that is, because all these movies were made at the same time. These two movies have the same writer. Normally, like, characters get more powers over the years as writers like are trying to figure out new stuff to do with them and stuff like that. But this is all done at the same time. So I don't understand. So it must be trying to establish some sort of canon like they are two different gods. Or they just don't care. Or that. Which is also very possible. It's just very fascinating to me. So which is your favorite between the two? Oh, the first one. Yeah. The first one has the best payoff, I think. Yes, it's a lot of torture and I think they drive that home a lot more. This one, I think they spend a lot more time establishing how good the good guys are. And in the first one, they spend a lot more time establishing how bad the bad guys are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Who would you recommend this movie for? 
I think it's for a lot of the same people I mentioned last time. Definitely people who love those revenge stories, mm -hmm. Taken, and all of those. And also people who really want their good guys to be really good and their bad guys to be really bad. That is definitely a mood sometimes. You want your world to be black and white and uncomplicated. Yeah. And yeah. Take a, take a, a little break. innocent, you know? <laughs> take a break from the real world sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, of course, people who like good samurai movies. Because these are good samurai movies. They just have a different uh, way of wrapping up all the plot points than traditional samurai movies do. Or just people who like giant monsters wrecking stuff. <laughs> you should say that at the end of every one of the yeah. who's is for. No, that wouldn't work for some movies. <laughs> I'm very curious what you're going to think of the third movie. The third movie is called Wrath of Daimajin, I believe. And it is the most, we'll say controversial among fans. Oh, no. It's so different. It does not follow the same plot at all. It's got, its main characters are kids. It's, That's kind of cool. It's Daimajin's barely in it. They're like on a mountain. There's a bird. <laughs> it, so I'm very curious what you'll think of the third movie in the trilogy. Because it's such a different, it's such a departure. So some people really don't like it. And some people think it's pretty good. And Well, we'll definitely have to watch it. But we do have a lot of movies to get through. So I don't know where it's going to fall on our list. I have so many movies on this list. <laughs> I think we've already got the next like two years planned out. Maybe. But yeah, Daimajin 2. Return of Daimajin. Or Daimajin Returns. Whatever. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, and tell us how you think about this movie, or tell us about, I don't know, whether you think gunpowder could kill God. I don't know. <laughs> Our email is kaijuislandpodcast at gmail.com. Or you could tweet us at islandkaiju. Or just search for Kaiju Island Podcast. We come up. Our intro and outro are Manga Mania by Olive Music. And thank you for listening. Let us all fight bravely as a team. Punch. Punch, punch.